people. The Bible is full of people who did mighty things. Think about Moses. Stretches out his hand over the Red Sea. And it parts. Samson took on a pile of Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. David slew Goliath. You know, sometimes people are quick to say, they're like, well, they didn't do that. God did that. Well, yeah. But he didn't do it without them. And that's not to say that he couldn't do it without them. He certainly could. But as it turns out, he didn't. He didn't do it without them. He made his power known through the faith of those men and countless others. We're coming into Hebrews chapter 11 now, what's known as the Hall of Faith. You may have heard it called that before. Where these men that I just mentioned, among others, are honored and remembered for their faith. Not their works. It's not the Hall of Works, it's the Hall of Faith. That's what the author wants for these people, that kind of faith. To have complete trust and confidence in Christ. And what he's showing them is, look, look, all your heroes did. And the author certainly wants to recall their heroism. He wants them to see that. He wants them to, to, to recall that to memory. But he doesn't want them to think of them as being superheroes. He wants them to see that they're people just like them. We need to see that they're, they're people just like us. And the reason that's important is because the author is trying to get his audience, uh, what he's trying to get them to understand and what, what, what God is wanting to try to get us to understand is that what's special about these people is their faith in God. That's what it is about them that's worth emulating. That's what's highlighted and accentuated. What they did, they did because of their faith. It's their faith that's being commended and what's being set before us is an example and an encouragement. For by it, it says, the people of old received their condemnation. We're going to see that in verse 2 when we read it. How did they receive their commendation? Parting the sea? Whipping the Philistines? Slaying Goliath? By their faith. They received their commendation by their faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's where the author's going in this passage. It's always been that way, too. Always been that way. These are the people of old, we'll see, like it says. Before Christ's birth, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, before the new covenant in his blood, and even then, it was by faith. It's always been by faith that people are saved, which flies in the face of what a lot of people think about the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? That in the Old Testament, people were saved by works. In the New Testament, we're, we're saved by faith. It's not true. It's always been by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that's what the author has been trying to convince these people of so far. You know, as we've, as we've gone through, that's what he keeps putting in front of them, keep trying to remind them of. He's warned them against apostasy. He's talked about that a lot, hasn't he? He's warned them against turning their back on Jesus, turning their back on all the light that they've been shown already. He's trying to convince them, you know, there's no other sacrifice Right? There's no other sacrifice for sins, so don't think you can go back to the old covenant sacrificial system and find it there. There's nothing left for you there. All of that only pointed to Jesus anyway. That's what he's been trying to say. That's what he's trying to do now is to surround them with good company to help convince them to endure to the end the way that these people did. 
So let's read just the opening here of this famous chapter in the Hall of Faith. Hebrews chapter 11, looking at verses 1 through 3. Now hear the words of the one true and living God. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord God, we do thank you for your word. The grass weathers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Lord, we thank you that it is precious to us. I pray that it would be increasingly more precious to us, more precious than gold, even fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. And Lord God, I pray that you would make it plain to your people this morning, that it might take root in our lives, be applied by your Holy Spirit, that we would be transformed, made more and more to the image of Christ our Redeemer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. What we're going to look at today, in just these first three verses, is the quality of faith. Before we get into what these people accomplished by faith, we need to know what faith is. We have a certain kind of faith as Christians. The kind of faith we have is certain. That's the main idea this morning. The kind of faith we have as Christians is certain. That's what the author wants his audience to understand. That's what the divine author wants all of us here this morning to understand. The kind of faith you have, Christian, is not a roll of the dice. It's not making a wish or believing in an idea that, that tickles your fancy. This God is real. And his promises are real. He's made real promises to his people and we can count on them. It's not a, it's not a blind faith that we have. Even though there are things that... that that are unseen, I mean, it plainly says that there in verse 1, doesn't it? There are things that we can't see. But our belief in them is grounded in the reality of a reliable person. That's why we believe them. And how do we know he's reliable? Well, just look at all these examples he's about to give us. But first, we're going to look at this faith of ours from all sides and examine it and see what kind of faith it is before we get into all of those examples. And what kind of faith is it? Keep you on your toes, a certain kind of faith. There'll be a a test later. But by the end of this passage, the author is going to start uh, transitioning, right? He's making these opening remarks about what faith is, and what he does next is he leads us into those multiple examples of faith on display. And those examples, y'all, all of those names that are listed there, those are people we need to get to know. We need to get to know those people. Uh, the, the author's immediate audience, they, they know. They're, they're very familiar with each of these people. They were catching what, what he was throwing, okay? All the detail behind these names that's not included here in this passage, they knew. They knew the stories. They knew these were good examples of faith on display. And we need to, too. So after going back and forth on this a little while, I decided it would be worth it to take this opportunity to take our time, slow down, and spend the next roughly 16 weeks, maybe, getting to know these people of old who are described as those of whom the world was not worthy. That's how the author describes them. 
and verse 38. So we won't be departing from the book of Hebrews. We will be looking at other texts and kind of seeing where these people are and what happened there that was so important. But it's all in keeping with what the author of Hebrews is trying to get across. That that faith, this faith that these people had, that faith that is certain, this faith that we have now, this faith does three things. It refuses, it follows, and it endures. That's going to feature prominently. We'll see see that over and over again as we move through it. A faith that is certain refuses to follow the world. It follows Christ. And it follows Christ even when it doesn't make sense. And this faith of ours that is certain, it endures hardship and suffering. That's a hard part, but it's there. and We'll see that too. That's what we can expect to see as we work through this list of names over the next several weeks. But today, again, we're just looking at faith itself. What is faith? What is faith? You know, some of the simplest questions, you know, sometimes we just don't think very deeply about, but we have to ponder that, don't we? What is faith? What do you mean, faith? Belief? Belief in what? Let me get at it this way. Think about the Pharisees, okay, and and what you know about Jesus' interactions with them, all right? Whatever you can recall about that, just kind of bring that to mind. Pull Pull that file. Think about that for a minute. Jesus and the Pharisees. Did the Pharisees believe in God? Yeah. The brave ones are nodding. Yeah. Did they believe in the right God? Yeah. They did. You'd say that they had a strong belief in God. Did Jesus say that was enough? Was that kind of belief that they had, was that sufficient? No. And why? Because we have to come through him. We have to come through Jesus, through the son that God has sent, and they rejected him. Jesus says in John 8, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason you do not hear them is because you are not of God. So there's something more about this faith the author is talking about than just believing, isn't there? Let me give you another example to think about. In James 2, he says, you believe that the Lord is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. That should alert us to something, shouldn't it? That there's something about this faith that's that's more than just knowing stuff and believing that stuff is true. The demons believe and shudder. They had all the information. They had correct information. They had the right God, right? They believed in God, and it was the right God, too. They, they, the demons perhaps knew the Bible better than any one of us. They've been around a lot longer. They believe God is who he says he is. You think about when they recognized Jesus for who he was when he came. They, they were on the inside track. They know the story. Does that save them? No. It's a certain kind of faith, one that trusts in Christ. We need to be reminded, friends, that our relationship is not with knowledge, right? Our relationship is not with knowledge. Our relationship uh, is, is not just with the stuff that we know. It's with a holy and personal God to whom we owe our existence and our complete trust and obedience, 
God is not just a subject we study. You know, he's not a book on a shelf we pull down when we want to. He is a person that we love and we trust and we grow in relationship with. That's a certain kind of faith. That's a kind of faith that is certain. It's not an idea or a theory. You know, it's not, it, it's not even uh, just a set of principles or a moral code that we follow so that we behave ourselves. It is, above all else, a relationship with God whose image we're made in. That relationship, as we know, had been severed, but it's now been restored through the blood of Christ. All things are being made new. So our faith has to be in him, right? Not just accurate information about him, not just believing in what is true about him, but believing in him, believing in that person, the person of Christ, who is very God of very God and took on flesh to die in the place of sinners like us. He is personal. Our faith is certainty about who he is, what he has done, and our undying trust in him and committed obedience to him. All right, so that's a certain kind of faith, isn't it? It's a specific kind of faith. It's not vague. Vague faith, what, what, what good is that? Vague faith is, is false faith. The world has plenty of it. That's on sale. People talk of faith a lot, don't they? You hear that a lot, don't you? For, for just such being surrounded by an unbelieving world that we're in, people sure do talk a lot about faith. You know, say, have faith. Just believe. In what exactly? What does that mean? Just believe. It could literally mean anything, couldn't it? People say, oh, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe in. It just matters that you believe. That's silly. Can we be honest about that? That's just silly. And really what that sentiment boils down to is this. Just believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself. Well, I don't want to. Because myself has let me down. Does yours? I'm going to need something a lot more reliable to believe in, to place my faith and full trust in. Because not only have I let myself down, and I fully expect I will again in the future, I'm not in control. And that's a problem. If what I need to get through hard times is something constant, something reliable and something that's responsible for how things pan out i'm not it the kind of faith most people have is really just blind optimism right just preaches that have faith in yourself that's not the kind of faith we have as christians the kind of faith that we have is what it's y'all are going to fail the test you're going to flunk after the end when we bring out the pop quiz at the end you're going to fail this the kind of faith that we have is, okay, don't be scared. Faith is not just an optimistic feeling, right? It's not just an optimistic feeling or a confidence booth. It's being certain about something external. That's the idea, okay? It's not something in us. It's something external, something outside of us, putting our trust and our confidence and our hope in something that isn't flimsy or certain or temporary or temperamental like some of us can be. It's certain, because it doesn't just live on our minds and our hearts. It is objective, and it is real. If you, if you forget everything else I say this morning, remember this, okay? It's not true because we believe in it. 
We believe in it because it's true. Okay? That's the faith we have. It's not true because we believe it. We believe it because it's true. So when you hear people talk about faith, don't let them define it for you. Don't let them define it. Don't let them cast it off as something that's just personal to you and treat it like some, you know, cute and cuddly comfort object that children carry. That's not how God defines faith here in this chapter. When you're talking about your faith, you're talking about something that is certain. It is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Verse 1. Yeah, we hope. We do that. We do hope. But we don't hope as the world hopes. We don't just um, hope with an anticipation of what's to come, but with great expectation of what's to come. We have assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things not seen. We believe God's promises are true and faith is being sure of it. Okay? We believe God's promises are true and faith is being sure of it. The world isn't going to like you being sure about it, though. Okay? Know that. Ho- hopefully someone told you by now. All right? The world's not going to like your certainty about your faith. They're going to say you can't do that. People are going to want to see you make room for what they call their truth. People say religion is off limits when it comes to certainty. If there's anything we can't be certain about, it's, it's religion. You're not allowed to be certain about your faith. You can believe it. You just can't believe it's true. Because as soon as you start saying that it's true, what you're really saying is that all the other religions are false, that they're wrong, and we can't have a civilization as we know it doing that kind of thing. Well, where, did the, where, where do we get the idea that God is concerned with preserving civilization as we know it? Where's that idea come from? What, what book of the Bible is that from? First speculations, maybe. People's commitment to that devilish doctrine is why many Christians don't let what they believe affect what they do. They say they have faith, but what they demonstrate is a lack of faith. And so what we continue to have is the status quo. What we see in the hall of faith, y'all, what we see in Hebrews 11, what we see with this cast of characters in the hall of faith, these saints will go through one by one. It shows us something very very different. We see God's grace working powerfully in the world through the faith of his people. What we're going to get to see over the next several weeks is faith and action here. Does that sound exciting? I hope it does. I've been excited just in my preparation. Joshua knows I talked with him about it this week. I'm excited about this. Tell your friends, y'all. Bring them along. Do you know some people who are worn out in their walk with Christ? Do you know some people who are feeling a little downtrodden, have some doubts, a little insecurity, people who aren't so certain, easily bullied in their faith and cowed into a corner where they want to be shy about? You know anybody like that? Is that you? Do yourself and do them a favor. Get them here. We're going to be surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, the author calls them, by the end of the chapter. And here's what we need to know. This is what we find out. That God, that God is our God. And he has not ceased being God. 
What I want to say here for now, though, okay, is that your faith is not on the same shelf with what everybody else calls faith. It's not vague. It's not an opinion. It's not something that just resonates with us and helps us stay on our best behavior and live good moral lives and get through the difficulties of life. It's true, and we can be sure that it is. And I also want for all of us to be warned, as I mentioned already, and we'll talk about this a lot, that the world doesn't want that message. They don't want us to be sure. The world says, again, that of the whatever you can be sure about, you can't be sure about religion. That's not something we can be certain about. The only things we can be sure about and certain about are things that can be empirically proven, right? Things that can be measured and weighed and observed and repeated. Things that can be proven by the scientific method. That's what's real. That's what we can be sure of. Is that true? Maybe you haven't considered this before now, but can truth itself, can truth be proven by the scientific method? How about, law, how about laws of logic? Can, can we put that on a scale somewhere? Can, can, we, can we count it? Can we, um, can we put that under a microscope and observe it? Can we do that? No, of course not. In fact, we have to assume those things are baked into creation and our experience of it in order to do science in the first place, don't we? Now, here's why that matters. We see that there certainly are certainties, things that we can be sure of, that do not fall under the criteria the world says we must use to prove it. See that? Look at verse 3. By faith, we understand. That's what God says. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Matter didn't exist before God made it. We have to have faith to know that because we weren't there, right? We don't have to be shy about that. We can admit that. No need to blush over that. Do we need faith to believe God created everything? Yeah. So? Here's what's funny. Every evolutionist believes one of two things, generally. Everything came out of nothing, okay? Or there was always something that wasn't God. And that impersonal something, without reason, without purpose, without meaning, somehow turned into everything where there obviously is reason and purpose and meaning. That's what they believe. And here's the thing, y'all. They believe that by faith. They believe it firmly, and you're probably not going to shake them off of that, but were they there to see it? No. They have faith too. They break their own rules regarding what you can be certain about, because that's not proven by the scientific method. That's the standard of what we can believe in what is certain. It would have to be observable and repeatable, but no one was there to see it. Okay? By faith, they think the universe came into being by some cosmic accident involving matter they can't explain the existence of in the first place. But, by contrast, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. And we understand it because God is personal and he has graciously chosen to reveal things to us about himself, about us, and about the universe that he has created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 
John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Our faith, y'all, is a certain kind of faith, a faith that is certain. It doesn't just offer explanations for things. It gives understanding, because understanding is God's to give. And it begins, as the book of Proverbs tells us, and we've already been there, it begins with reverential awe of him, what we call fear of the Lord, and submission to his son that he has sent. And whatever faith one has that isn't in this person of Jesus Christ, through whom all things were made, and by whom sinners are redeemed, that faith is meaningless. And I don't say that to be ugly, right? It's just true. It's faith and faith itself. Well, y'all, you can't rely on that. You can't rely on faith for its own sake. That can't save you. I could have faith that I could climb up on top of this building and jump off right now and not break any bones. But that's that's not a faith I can rely on. I hope y'all wouldn't let me rely on that faith. It's the object of our faith that is reliable and which saves us, not faith itself. Faith isn't what matters. It's what you have faith in. Is that thing that you're putting that trust and that confidence in, is that thing reliable? And as an aside, this is why the the word of faith movement isn't just dangerous, it's it's abusive. Some of y'all might know what I'm talking about, but for those of you that don't, you'll catch on pretty quick. It's basically just the whole name it and claim it thing. You know, you heard of this, you just like uh, speak your desires out into the open and Jesus will make it happen for you, right? There's this power in your words and you can activate the Holy Spirit like some kind of force that's just waiting to be unlocked in you by your faith. That's faith in your faith, not faith in Jesus. That's really a works righteousness if you think about it because what it does, what it's putting confidence in is my ability to sort of whip something up in me that helps me to bend God to my will. That's a transactional relationship with God that makes God like a genie in a bottle instead of Lord of creation. But that's not just unbiblical, it's abusive. That's what I wanted to be able to point out. Because it says if anything bad happens to you, right, it's because you don't have enough faith. Whatever harm befalls you, that's not supposed to happen. You're doing it wrong. You have to have more faith. You didn't pray enough or you didn't believe enough or you chose to treat your terminal illness medically instead of just trusting God for your healing and that's why you're still sick. Don't you know only dirty, unfaithful sinners get sick? You see how bad that is? See how awful that is? It's a terrible thing. That's not how any of this works. That's not what faith is. And that doesn't mean our faith isn't certain. It means that faith is certain in who Jesus is and the promises of God and believing them. So much so that we do refuse to follow the ways of the world. We follow Christ even when it doesn't make sense and we endure hardship for suffering. Note the difference. We don't avoid hardship and suffering. Faith doesn't help us avoid hardship and suffering. It helps us to endure hardship and suffering. We endure sickness, persecution, 
and whatever else life may throw at us because we serve a sovereign king who is enthroned in heaven and we trust that not a hair can fall from our heads without his say-so. And if things don't go the way I'd like, it is well with my soul because his ways are higher than my ways and my confidence is in him and not in my circumstances. Not in the things that I can't see. But you see, you talk that way and people say, that's nice that you believe that. But you, you, you can't really be sure. I mean, none of us can really be sure about anything. You sure about that? It seems like you are. It seems like you want me to be sure I can't be sure about anything. That'd be me being sure in at least one thing, wouldn't it? So here's what it comes down to, y'all. You want me to take your word for it or God's? Everyone has faith. But it's not the faith that matters. It's what that faith is in that counts. And ours is in the eternal Son of God who spoke everything into existence. In the triune God who made us in his own image and not only gave us understanding, but has allowed us to understand him. He's allowed us, creatures, to know him. Now, are there things we don't know? Sure. Granted, but we know him, and we know what he's like. And because we do, we know we can count on him. We know that he doesn't lie. We know that his promises are sure. We have a faith that is certain because the object of our faith, the one that we have faith in, has proven to be reliable. Want to see? That's what the author says next, basically. Want to see? Want some case studies? Look at Abel. Look at Enoch. Look at Noah. Look at Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. Joseph, look at Joshua and his army, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. I could go on, the author says. I could keep going. Hold on to your hope, so he says. That's what he wants for them. Hold on to your hope. That's what he wants them to do. That's what he wants them to learn by looking at this list of names. He says, these people did. They held on to their hope. As you will see, even when it's really hard, they still held on to their hope, and they endured until the end. It was worth it. It was worth it. They had a certain kind of faith, and you should too. And what that faith does, what it looks like, is it refuses, as we said. It refuses to follow the world. It's not afraid of standing alone. It's not afraid of standing out. It's not afraid of going against the grain. We'll see some of that. It follows. It follows Christ even when it doesn't make sense. Even when what appears to be the best strategy is let's storm the city and throw rocks at it and shoot arrows and all that kind of stuff. God says, I got an idea. Let's do this instead. March around it seven days. And then, wait for it, blow a trumpet. That's not the way I would do it. Lean not on your own understanding. We follow Christ even when it doesn't make sense. And faith that is certain endures. And y'all, we wish, we wish it didn't. We wish it didn't have to. But it does. 
It endures the hardship and suffering that comes with living in a fallen world, even one that is being redeemed. Whether it's difficult and uh, some kind of difficulty you're having in life uh, financially, financial strain, sickness, or persecution in the form of ridicule, ridicule or even death, faith endures. Faith endures because faith knows. It doesn't endure because it doesn't know. It endures because it knows. Faith knows, and that's how it can endure. It is certain. So I'm excited about us getting to know these people in coming weeks who had this kind of faith. And as we do, I want us to all realize something at the outset, okay? We're going to struggle with something. It's going to come up. And I want us to all just, just realize it and get out ahead of it, okay? You're going to hear these crazy stories about ordinary people doing extraordinary things, and you're going to be tempted to believe that this kind of faith is not possible for today. I'm telling you, it is. This is not Aesop's fables, okay? This is not Beowulf. This is the word of God. This is a history of his people, this is what God is like and what is possible when his people trust and believe in him. That's what we're going to get to see. But we'll be tempted to believe, oh, it's not really possible today. It is because it's not their faith that had that power. It's God that they had faith in. And we have the same God as them. And God doesn't change. So don't spoil the fun by bringing a big bag of unbelief and skepticism into the hall of faith as we go through it, okay? Don't bring that with you. Don't come in with all the skepticism and think, yeah, well, it was just those guys. You know, those was those guys, and they, you know, I'm not like those guys, and God doesn't want to use me like that. You'll miss the point. You don't think that's exactly what these people were thinking? And the author says, no, they were commended for their faith. Have faith, keep faith, and here's why. Because where people have, God has proven time and again that he is worthy. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would help our unbelief. We confess we can be dull of hearing sometimes, and we can miss just how worthy you truly are of our complete trust and obedience. And when we do hear, we easily forget, and we go back to trusting what our eyes can see and trusting our own understanding. But Lord, we know from experience, that doesn't ever work. Lord, I pray you would hold our attention on your faithfulness so that we would lay a hold of your promises. God, help us to live in a way that says we believe them. Allow us, Lord, to be salt and light in the world for your glory and for the good of mankind. In Jesus' name, amen.